Hey there, welcome to The Questionable Show, episode four. It's been a minute since uh, I was able to do the last one of this. Looks like it was, wow, it was uh, end of May. Last time I was able to get on and do a podcast like this was right after uh, officially joining Portland as the new GM, and we've had a lot of stuff kind of processing and going on with that. Not to mention a lot of stuff going on in the NSFL as well that I wanted to go ahead and discuss. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and make this while I've got the opportunity with the media event, um, just because that's a good excuse to go ahead and make myself do this, and uh, go ahead and just do something without necessarily worrying about a questions thread or um, anything like that, and just kind of focusing on where I'm at, where things have kind of been going for me, and how uh, how things have been in the NSFL and the DSFL the last couple of, uh, almost a couple of months at this point. So, um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with the DSFL. Um, again, last time, I, w- I want to go ahead and try and pull up the uh, question thread from last time just so I can see kind of uh, how things have gone from then. Uh, I did post a question thread for uh, a uh, Python GM podcast that, um, you know, unfortunately still hasn't been able to uh, be recorded. Kanako's going through um, some struggles of her own just uh, with health and um, so she's just taking care of herself and it's very possible we'll go in and use those questions to record a podcast at some point. I'd love to. Um, if I have some time here at the end of it, I might even go in and look at a couple of those or, or kind of go blitz through those questions and just give some quick responses to the people that um, did take the time to ask questions that unfortunately we weren't able to get to at this point. But um, yeah, let's see. Looking through this, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of you know talking about my first season, which um, you know went pretty well. Um, just being able to get to that ultimus, the first season, definitely a huge um, a huge boon to me and just like a really awesome thing to experience um and hopefully trying to get back there again this season with uh OCO I'm really happy to be with the Otters just to just to kind of be there in in hopefully perennial uh competition um I don't think the I I I I was thinking the branding might have been announced by this point but it looks like very possibly that it had not been um, announced at that point. Uh, no, looks like, I guess, yeah, we had just we had just announced that the contest was going on, um, and then it wasn't until a week or two later that we were able to announce it. That was a huge process. Um, I know some people aren't necessarily as enthused as I am with the results that came out of it um, after, you know, kind of my designs and then working with Slothman, who's been a great rookie addition to the Pythons, and um, after kind of seeing those ideas come together and seeing us bring a new kind of unique, cool brand to the league in general and um 
yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with it. I know some people have some, uh, are, are definitely seeing some associations that they're feeling negative about. And then, of course, there's a lot of people that had a lot of attachment to the old logo and the old branding. Um, you know, and I have a lot of appreciation for, you know, people, for, for that old branding. You know, that's really cool, and that's, like, that's how I got to spend my time as a Python player was using that branding. Um, ultimately, I think the biggest the biggest issues I saw with the old branding and the reasons why I wanted to push for a new branding um, were that I don't... It, it, the... I think the black and gold were cool. I think the snake itself was cool. Um, I know there were some people that saw it and like and said that it kind of clashed with Austin. And I think that's, I think that's true to a to a degree. Um, I think our snake looked far and beyond better than Austin's. Just Austin's um, branding as a whole. That's no slight to Austin either. I, I just I, I think Austin's. Branding might be my least favorite in the entire league. Um, it's just really... Maybe it's just the color scheme, honestly. If you change that thing to a different kind of color scheme, I could see it looking better. Um, but I don't know. Something about that snake just uh, feels a little off to me. But um, So I wanted to have a departure from... I wanted to have a departure from that snake just because it doesn't... It's not a python. I mean, like... The big differentiator for for pythons as like a, as a constrictor snake as being a non-venomous snake, I wanted us to represent that rather than um, a lot of ideas or like feelings around it um, that like supposed just a general idea of a snake. I mean, when I came in uh, as GM, the pythons are our our general player tag, our general player role was currently venomous, which just didn't make any sense because pythons are a non-venomous snake um so i kind of wanted to change kind of that perception and also just like the black and yellow like some people have been saying recently that that was a clash with london i don't think it was at all i think if you put our lo our old logo up against london's current logo um i think it was kind of I think you could say that they both had the same kind of circle motif, but like the black and gold, uh, the black and yellow were so very different from the gray and gold and like, and very like dusty kind of gold color that they have that I don't think that that was a clash at all. Um, the big thing for me was that black and yellow really failed to represent Portland, um, which is more of what I wanted to bring in. Uh, and I'm really happy with how we've been able to represent the city of Portland, how we've been able to represent the brand of pythons, um, and do that while also making something cool and unique um, to me. So um, I think that's why I've been pretty vehement on defending it. But I, I understand that I understood from the beginning that this was going to be a change, um, that that was going to be hard for, 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 for certain people, for sure. Um, I know that there is uh, something of a bias for um, for some sectors of the league to want something that like looks like intimidating or looks like badass first and foremost, which I don't think um, I don't think is necessarily something that I'm interested in as a focal point for 
for a logo. I, I think you can look at Austin's branding, and it looks very like it looks like it fills that kind of um, rubric of being like cool and aggressive. Um, but for me, just like fails to be interesting or good to like actually good to look at, and like that's what I was focused on. Was something that was representative and interesting, and I think good to look at. Um, and I'm really happy with it. Um, I think we've seen some of the people that were more against it kind of die down, and I think people are seeing it more and feeling it more. And um, I mean, for me, it's not going to change anytime soon. So I wouldn't. I, if, if you're still very against it, I wouldn't get your hopes up too much. But that's that's the logo. Um, that's the branding. So that was one of the biggest. Um, thing that's things that's happened so far in my reign as a Portland GM. Uh, let's talk about things going on in the DSFL in general. Since then, I came in with a big group of other DSFL GMs that uh, I think have been doing a really good job. Let me peek into GM chat to just make sure I'm I know everybody that's newer. Um, Sylphrenny was a surprise as an S23 player jumping in straight into a DSFL GM spot, but really happy for them, and they've been really great to interact with um, GM to GM when I've had that chance. Uh, TVC coming in for Minnesota uh, has been really great. Um, Scory Corey finally getting uh, a co-GM with uh, Thor coming in there, and he's great. Um, Blasoon and Joe B coming in both as new GMs together at the same time is a huge challenge and they've done a great job of um, at least from everything I've heard they've, they've done a great job of keeping everything in NOLA going and I know they have a great support system there regardless of both being new GMs uh, and Mithrandir in uh, Tijuana also doing a great job and uh, looks like we're um, going to be welcoming another new GM into the fold with um, CLG Rampage stepping down from GMing at the DSFL level. Um, and yeah, CLG is a great guy. Um, I've had the pleasure of bringing him on for the first ever episode of The Questionable Show and having some good interactions with him. Um, yeah, I like Rampage. They're opinionated and um, loud and... I don't know. They're just good at what they do, I think. Um, and I don't mind people being opinionated because it's much better than them not having anything to say. So, um, yeah. And of course, I really admired what um, Dwalt and CLG Rampage were able to do for the time that they were tenured together. Uh, and I think they've done a good job of carrying that over as, um, as Dwalt kind of transferred over to TVC and um, Rampage will transition over to whoever takes over that spot. Very interested to see who takes over in Minnesota. A lot of great candidates over the last couple of years, honestly, from uh, from everything that I've seen. And, uh, well, there's a lot of people in Minnesota's voice channel right now for whatever reason, but um, cool. Going to be interesting to see, yeah, again, who takes over there, because there's a lot of great people from S22 and S23 uh, that I know of. I'm not very sure about their, I don't, I don't know anything really about their S24 people, but um, 
they've gotten very lucky with people coming back and getting sent down to kind of preserve and build up the kind of culture that they had. Um, having some people with their coming into their or uh, halfway through their third season with uh, Minnesota and some people, you know, in their second and just a lot of people coming back in there. I like visiting Minnesota locker room every once in a while. They were definitely, um, um, definitely a locker room that I looked at a lot when I was coming into, uh, into a spot as a DSFL gym. I wanted to see, you know, what other people were doing and how they were building up really positive communities. And I'm hopefully, you know, building up as much as I can in Portland. And we're going to see how that kind of pays out over, you know, the next period of time. Um, I've been able to bring in one draft class so far, and uh, I'm really happy overall with um, the kind of engagement and activity we're getting from the people that we brought in, um, and I'm pretty happy with how we've been able to remain competitive. Um, Portland right now is sitting tied for second in the DSFL, although it looks like I'm just going based on how the index has ordered things, but it looks like we do have the, um, the edge over London, possibly. We'll see. Uh, it'll be nice to just be able to try and beat them outright, but it's going to be a tough remaining schedule for us going on the road for three of our next four games. And uh, it's going to be a lot of in-conference opponents that we're really going to want to be able to beat. Um, I haven't done testing on this next slate of games yet, but um, really hoping to try and go 2-0 on Tuesday and see what we can do from there. Are all four of these games being played this week? Um, trade deadline, 11, weeks 11, 2, and 12. Oh, that's weird. See, I don't like that. <clears throat> Looks like we're, you know, keeping the same schedule with two games on Tuesday, one game on Thursday, and then playing the last week of the DSFL season on Monday. Um, Monday the 20th. So that's going to be... A little bit of a weird schedule. So Tuesday we're going to be playing versus or er, at Norfolk, and then home to Minnesota, and then Thursday going to be going away um, to London, and Monday going away to Kansas City, and hopefully Kansas City is either fallen right off the horse or is far enough ahead of the rest of the conference that they just don't. Uh, care at all and let us take that win in week 14 because that'd be great for our position um, but really the big key is definitely trying to beat minnesota and london in weeks 12 and 13 respectively gonna be a hard game going away to london um it was great to be able to beat them in week six but um you know not having the home field advantage this time is going to be certainly tough um, and hopefully at home to Minnesota, we can sweep that series after, um, beating them on the road in week five. Um, that was our first win of the season. What a rough and tumble season it has been. Jeez Louise. Um, I'm going to be really happy if we're able to make the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to be kind of heartbroken if we don't. Um, although I know... 
I know, uh, honestly, Minnesota and London are probably feeling pretty much the same way. Um, London, I think, was really puffed up at the beginning of the season. And um, we're pretty pretty excited and ready to go right back to the ultimini. Uh, but right now they're fighting to even get into the playoffs at this point. And uh, Minnesota... I'm not sure what's going on with Minnesota, honestly. I don't know what their roster looks like at this point, but um, they are having a, another rough season. Um, another rough season. They had a good season last season. I'm just... Um, but it could be very well that we are flipping the playoff teams from last season, which would be really interesting with Minnesota and London going to the playoffs as the 1-2 and two seed last season and potentially having... If uh, things stay as they currently are, Kansas City and um, Portland going into the playoffs as the one and two seed, which is really funny because that's uh, a repeat of the playoffs two seasons ago. Um, so it'd be a kind of back and forth um, weird coincidence. Um, I wouldn't mind having to play Kansas City in the playoffs. From what I've seen from my testing, they've gotten really lucky so far. I mean, we played Kansas City home in week seven and really kind of crushed them. That was probably our easiest um, and most definitive victory of the of the season. So, if I if 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 we have to be going away to anybody in the playoffs, I am totally okay with that being Kansas City. No slight to Kansas City. Love you, Butters. Love you, Marty. Marty, that's great, Maddie. Um, you changing your name in GM chat is just messing me up at this point. Um, but yeah, we're looking good. Feeling good. Um, we have picked up... Today was uh, the first waiver days of the post trade deadline. We were able to pick up two great players on defense that are going to be able to slot in pretty much immediately. Um, I'm pretty sure. So, um, And also... Um, you know, really excited to have those people in the locker room for the time being and see uh, see what happens in the draft time. It's, oh man, this is shaping up to be a really interesting draft class. I have I have no idea what's going to happen at this point. Um, if this... Uh, if this ends up being a Reddit NFL class, um, a big Reddit class, it's going to be a crazy offseason and a crazy draft. And I don't know if I'm ready for that at this point, but we'll see. Um, maybe it's just because it's so hot outside that I'm losing a lot of energy. But thinking about trying to go through a big draft when already there have been so many great um, people that have stepped down from their old um, players and are recreating, it's going to be... Part of me is going to say it's going to be a nightmare, but honestly, it's going to be it's going to be a great opportunity to bring in a lot of talent, and we're already really set up um, with talent that I think is going to be still around here next season. So, um, going to be interesting. Very luckily, um, if this is a, going to be a big draft class, um, the DSFLHO and the HO in general, that or the NSFLHO, has done a really good job. 
of working together to reframe the off-season schedule, not only to kind of condense it and make it a little bit shorter for everybody um, so that we can keep getting to things that people are interested in and keep, keep the action up as much as possible, uh, which is excellent, and I think everybody's going to be happy for that, but also giving a little bit of extra time between the NSFL draft and um, the DSFL draft, uh, and also letting the DSFL draft into a little bit more of the information of what happens in the NSFL draft. Um, oh man, that's actually kind of a bummer. I'm just realizing now that I'm not going to be able to write, and I'm not going to be able to write an NSFL mock draft this season, just because I'm going to have some privileged information, um, which kind of sucks. But uh, on the bright side. Um, a, I'm more ready this season, and B, we're going to have more time and more information so that we can manage um, our callbacks a little bit better. I kind of got blindsided by one or two um, people this offseason, but, you know, that was kind of the, uh, the modus operandi for a lot of NSL teams um, interacting as far as call-ups were, just with how little time there was and how kind of chaotic that situation is with um, them having to communicate with certain people so gonna be better to have a little bit more time and information uh, and hopefully things go better uh, in keeping those um, keeping those surprises uh, from happening that would be that would be certainly ideal I mean, not to pin any kind of situations on or, or on our last off season on anyone in particular. I know I got kind of frustrated when that happened initially, but you know, it's just kind of what happens and um, kind of the nature of where the DSFL is at at this point. Like I've mentioned in the past, in past episodes of this podcast or on my um, my guest spot on the Sulfreni show, I am really interested in the kind of Junction that I feel that the DSFL is at at this point. I'm really interested in working with DSFL HO as they're hopefully getting more of a footing and we can discuss more about what the purpose and fate of the DSFL will be ultimately. But I'm still very much in favor of, at this point, migrating to more of a college system where... We're giving players more of a freedom to define what they want their DSFL experience to be for themselves rather than um, the kind of attitude that I feel is propagated a lot at, uh, at some of the top positions and in general in kind of the greater conversation where... DSFL in general is kind of put down as something lesser or less important to the league at large. Um, and I think there is certainly, I, th I think very certainly there's some merit to say that this is a lesser league. I think that's kind of inherent in how it's built up. Um, but I don't think we should... I think giving people more of an option to define for themselves what they want their DSFL experience to be, whether that be as a player or on any kind of side um, of the ordeal, 
for GMs as well. I mean, like, just looking at the DSVL GM turnover in general and looking at how small tenures for DSVL GMs are, um, I think, I, I really feel like that should be an area of concern for for the league as a whole as something that they that we need to address um and yeah i'm not i'm not sure that i have all the answers for for why this issue is still continuing um and it's very possible that a lot of people don't really view this as an issue you know some people a lot of people that are departing jobs as dsvl gms are doing it for time you know that's a big thing um sometimes it's just the stress of the position i know i felt that at certain points um especially with um with my co-gm having some health issues and some uh, some personal issues to that have sapped a lot of time from from her and so that's been kind of a challenge on my own taking on really really being forced to dive straight in and take on a pretty big chunk of the responsibilities and the kind of work the just the 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 necessary steps to really keep the team running and to try and help the team succeed as much as possible (coughs) excuse me um sorry to Sorry to bust straight through the um, the sorry sorry to just peek the heck out of the the microphone there, but um, yeah, that's just where I'm at. That's where I'm at with the DSL. I think there's a lot of things that we can do to improve the experience overall, and I think there's a lot we can do to make the DSL more interesting and engaging. Uh, like looking through a lot of people, uh, a lot of recreates that have been talking about their players coming into the DSL and spending time in there. There's like a very like, there's a big big section of recreates that are like we're coming in to get through the DSL, like not not to like spend time in the DSL or like to enjoy the DSL and the experiences and possibilities that are there for them, but just to like, to get through it so that they can get to their NSL team. Um, and obviously I think that like possibility for people to engage with the DSL in that way should be there. Um, I think we should be encouraging people to have a better time in the DSL. <laughs> Like, um, I just think it should be something that's more fun and interesting for for new players and for, for recreates. Um, and I'm not sure how exactly that's going to happen. I think, I, think, I think developing something that's more like a college system because of how different that can be and how, how many liberties we can take with... with um, <laughs> with expanding the experience of DSVL outside of the simulation um, and making that something more interesting and engaging as a part of somebody's, uh, as part of a player's journey so that people um, are just kind of trapped in the DSVL, especially like if you're in a position where it's 
especially a lot of offensive positions where you're just inherently going to be spending at this point you're going to be spending more time in the dsfl just with how saturated some of those positions are um, or how demanding some of those positions are on tpe like maybe quarterback or wide receiver might be um, luckily me coming in the time that i did at running back um, it was a position that both i could jump straight into the nsfl and start having a great time in the nsfl and building up my player's legacy building towards big championship games i mean those are really big cool important things um and uh, luckily being in the right time and place where there was opportunities available to the top level of running backs from my draft class um which I'll get into more when I talk more about um, the NFL season so far. But I just think there's, I think, I think there's a lot of possibilities with a more collegiate style of uh, of experience for the DSFL um, that differentiates it from the NFL enough to be more interesting and engaging and fun um, for people that are outside of the DSFL or getting ready to go through that experience um and i also think you know it's it's i see i i hear this point a lot about like oh there's a reason why we don't put like ultiminis on people's resumes or like um trophies on gm's profiles because like blah 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 dsfl is not important in the end game and i think that that is something that remains true and i think to a degree should remain true um but i also think we should build be building up a system where those games are still exciting to everybody and those um that part of of a player's career career is still exciting to that user and to people following that player um and i think when we look at in our in our real world at like the college football playoffs and uh awards like the heisman and other um awards and different aspects of college football of college football in general i think there's a lot about that that i aspire to wanting the dsfl to emulate more that was not an intended part of this conversation about kind of the dsfl in general um, but I think that's just where my heart wanted to go. So, um, but I've been having a good time in Portland. Um, managed to get through the draft process mostly unscathed. Um, had to make uh, a couple trades that I didn't necessarily want to make, but um, you know that's just different personalities and different histories in the league. That's just what happens, um, and just part of kind of the hand that I was dealt uh, coming into this. So. Um, really hope that both of those players that um, departed um, departed the team over the offseason are enjoying their experiences with their current teams and um, really hope that um, everybody that has come on uh, to join the team in Portland since uh, since I've come on have have had a good time and yeah, I just, I hope I'm doing a good job. So, um, I've been pretty happy with 
the experience so far. Um, just hard sometimes to kind of get a handle on a on the a on the job in general. Just like to know that I'm doing what I'm doing, and there's been plenty of plenty of times when I have not met an expectation that I just didn't know about, or just um, have not met up to my own expectations or goals, um, or just kind of missed the boat on. On different kind of surprises or um, unexpected parts of the job so just trying to hold on to as much as I can and build the best um, best place to play in the DSL as, as I can hopefully make the experience as enjoyable as I can to the players that come through the locker room in Portland so I think that's enough on the DSL for now um, here about half half an hour into uh, into the show, and I hope I haven't been. Uh, I hope I've been cohesive enough. I hope I've been understandable enough to whoever actually listens to this. I know there's been some discussions about like as somebody that listens to pretty much every podcast i love the nsl podcast i really do and i listened I, I think it's like me and sloth are like the only people that really do listen to at least that's the that's what i that's what people talk about that like nobody actually listens to nsl podcasts this is what i hear at the end of end of every uh episode of any podcast in the nsl like please please keep making nsl podcasts don't just make them when there's like two times media just like keep making them because i'm listening to I'm listening to pretty much all of them. There's, um, I mean, you know, there might be a few that um, that I don't keep up with necessarily as much. Um, doesn't mean that those aren't great, and doesn't mean that those don't have their own audiences, because uh, I definitely think they do. Um, and I think podcasts are the best um, best media pieces that you can find. And the most engaging part of the NSFL for me. Just to kind of be able to ingest that kind of information. So uh, keep making podcasts. Um, even if they're not ones that I'm going to listen to. I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus by like the couple of podcasts that I don't listen to. There is like one that I can point to that like is not a slight on them at all. But um, I think it's Anir that makes the NSFL game plan podcasts. Um for me, as somebody that listens to a lot of podcasts more passively, they're, um, or, or as kind of a background secondary um, thing, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm doing something else. Um, and just kind of, I think the structure of that being a, um, it's really like, it feels a lot like a Twitch VOD, honestly, in its own kind of thing, where it's like, um, people that are playing stuff together and there's some kind of discussions and commentary um, that for me is something to do passively is not terribly um, there's just a lot of dead time in there but I think uh, from what I've listened to and watched of them more actively they do a really good job of uh, bringing together some stuff that's um, that is related to the NSFL um, you know feels interesting to the things that I know about the NSFL and um, also kind of tickles more um interests in gaming in general or just in 
kind of personalities and people more generally and it's great to um see those interactions and see that stuff but um just not one that i will necessarily it's not something that i want to put in in the background just because i know that that's not really what that um, show is intended for so um but otherwise i think i pretty much listen to every every post that um that comes through there while I'm on it, can I request for, for, for if, if if Philly's fan happens to listen to this, man, you gotta host the the DSFL podcast on something else, cause man, whatever website that is is a pain in the butt to try and um maybe not necessarily from like my PC, but like from my phone is a pain in the butt to try and um to listen to those podcasts. And I love the DSFL cast, and also uh you know I'm here, bring me on to the podcast at some point. Cool. Now that we've taken a five-minute break for me to just ramble about podcasts in general, what is going on in the SFL? That is not a question that I can answer. Um, that is a question that we have to ask ourselves every day when we look at the mirror and every odd weekday when there's an NSFL game and none of us know what the hell the sim is doing. Because, oh boy, what a what a what a weird season what a weird season i don't know i don't know if this is parody i don't know if this is league parody at this point or if like this is league parody you know p a r i t y versus p a r o d y like i don't know it's one of the two at this point i'm not sure what it is but holy crap it has been a weird season to be an Orange County Otter, and I'm sure it's been a weird season to be a lot of teams. It's been a weird, weird season to be an Austin Copperhead. Look at what the heck are these results? Austin went on a four-game losing streak, having uh, Yellow Knife Wraiths at home, and then losing three totally unexpected. I mean, there are away games, so like home field advantage can do, I guess, whatever the hell it wants. But losing 24 to 20 to the Baltimore Hawks. Uh, losing twenty or fourteen to thirteen to Sarasota, and then losing forty to three to Honolulu. What the heck is Honolulu doing? I feel like they're definitely putting in some hack strats because then they beat us twenty-seven to seven. Jeez, Louise! After we beat them in week two, forty-one to six. I've been doing. I, I've been doing a majority of the sim testing for Portland since like halfway through last season, and man. Is that a depressing thing to do? I just... Oh, boy. Man, I, I don't know. If there's anything that's going to make me want to quit my job as a DSVL GM, it's sim testing. Man, I'm, I'm almost about to just, like, give up on even trying to sim test. A, I don't think... Maybe it makes more of a difference at the NSVL level. Maybe it doesn't. But, oh, boy, at the DSVL level, what the hell? Um... I just, I don't know. I don't know what it does. Maybe it's because we're not able to sim enough games in the engine before it totally crashes um, to, like, actually get down the margin of error. But I know some people say that margin of error is, like, 5 to 8%, but I don't think that's true. I think the margin of error, from everything that I've seen, has got to be more like 10%. And, like, a lot of the times it's under that, but jeez, Louise. 
I ran the same strategies, the same depth charts, the same players, um, and did did like five different sets of 500 sims. And the difference was so like radical. And oh man, it's just a mess. And then it like if I sim individual games and look at the score, it's even more of a mess. Like I just went through and did like a few dozen simulations that I actually looked at the score for the Dallas game. And that game was all over the place. Like I had I would literally have back-to-back -back sims where Dallas beat us like 42 to 3 and then the next game that I sim we beat Dallas like 54 to 0 and I have what why is that that I just oh man I don't know just the sim feels so random and just depressing but it's been a rough it's been a rough few weeks um just really, all of our losses have been really depressing this season. Our first loss to just the absolute derp cats in San Jose. I do like a quite, quite a few people in San Jose. I also do hate quite a few people in San Jose. But, um, you know, I don't have to express those opinions that much. Um, let's, just, let's just think about the great people that are in San Jose. Um... But man, if I don't want to just hate them on principle because they always seem to freaking beat us. They're at four and nine. And they've still beat us. They beat us in week four. When we had them in our home stadium, they beat us 20 to 17. That one sucked. And then we lose at Baltimore in uh, week seven. We lose 33 to. Th so many of our losses this season, too, have been so, so depressing. Um. Cause just the sim will the sim will decide that our offense can't do anything. That's like that's like all of our losses is just like the sim just decides, you know what, your offense is just gonna suck this week. Um, maybe not so much against San Jose, still being able to put up 17 points. That's you know that's okay. Um, but then only being able to put up 13 points against Baltimore when they still have a lot of pretty young defenders. Um, and then only 13 points at Philadelphia, getting outscored 24 to 13. Only nine points against Colorado. After oh man, the results like oh my gosh, we just we we've hit so. It's not that we've like. I don't mind so much that we've lost to some of these teams. On honestly, I think all of our all of our losses were on low percentage chances. Um, uh, but it's just, it feels like not only are we hitting that low percent, we're hitting like the bottom 5% of just like the worst possible games that the, that the sim could give us. But yeah, only getting nine points against Colorado and then just the 27 to 17 per, or 27 to seven performance at Honolulu was so depressing. That has just sucked. The big, like because it's it just sucks double because because the losses that we've had have been so focused on the sim just absolutely gutting and like destroying our offense in all of those games that it's just a double-edged sword of like not only 
is the team performing poorly but the team's performing poorly because like i'm performing poorly because like the offense isn't able to convert or like it's just it sucks especially since like our offense is second in the conference and third in the league in both points and yards and it's first in the conference and second in the league in rushing yards and i'm leading the fucking league in rushing i'm the best ever what the fuck is this doing? <laughs> um, it, that has been cool though to um, constantly be in this race for the top, um, the top of the rushing stats um, for the rushing title in general. Um, I'd really like if Hanyadi could just have a garbage next few games. Um, as much as I do like Rampage, um, but he is just he is just already creeping up on me. It's gonna be interesting to see how awards committee decides to um decides to vote on some of these awards because I, I think i very well could be polling votes i'm not too worried about this point you know only my second season uh season in the nsfl um but yeah i just um i mean i'd like to be in contention for these awards but we'll see hanyadi's stats are just they're just ridiculous like even though I am ahead of him, what, 30 yards in rushing at this point? I had a much bigger rushing yard lead on him earlier in the season. But he has 12 touchdowns. What is that nonsense? Rick Ruff has 10 touchdowns, but he just scalps touchdowns all the time. I don't know. Being a, being a lead back is, is, is tough sometimes. But, um, yeah, I mean, Honda Andy's a lead back too, and I have no idea how he's 12 touchdowns. That's crazy. And his, his receiving stats are way better than I am. Um, Tatsu gets passed to like three times in a game and drops like two of them. So, um, really not getting, uh, not really picking, picking up any receiving yards with him. So, very likely I'll be, uh, I'll be losing any kind of possible. Offensive player of the year or running back of the year to Hanyadi in the end if he keeps this kind of pace going. So, gonna be a tough one. So, if uh, if Rampage wants to go ahead and retire this player at his earliest convenience, that'd be good with me. Also, like, can I talk about rookie of the year? Like, I feel like I feel like rookie of the year should be con. con confined to like true rookies you know just because it just doesn't make sense like Laxon uh, pretty obviously is the is the runaway rookie of the year or offensive rookie of the year candidate at this point and just I don't know he has such a TPE advantage on on any other true offensive rookies coming in uh, and that just kind of I think that just kind of stinks for everybody else that has to compete at much lower TP totals. But um, you know, I love, I love, I love Laxon regardless. So he is uh, currently in third in rushing yards. I've put together a pretty good lead on him after I had a really good performance um, in uh, week twelve against Arizona. Big thanks to Arizona for letting me run all over them. Um, and, then, and then freaking Armstrong had to take three touchdowns in like the red zone away from me. Oh my gosh. 
What a weird, goofy game. I had 129 yards on 19 carries. That's a great average, 6.8 yards average. Oh, man, that's so good. And then we get into the red zone off of my rushing three different times. And all three of those times, Franklin Armstrong runs the touch. Uh, whatever. Whatever helps him towards his MVP season, I guess. Because he really looks like he uh, he could be in the, in the lead or really close to the lead for that. A uh, really good touchdown total, really good yardage total, decent rating, and um, I'm not sure how the QB rushing yards are going in general, but I'd anticipate him to be towards the top. Yep, usual suspects, McDummy, Q, Armstrong. Why is it when something goes wrong, it's always you three here? I didn't realize that those three rushing touchdowns were Franklin Armstrong's only rushing touch. Wow, Arizona really... Let him have a game. Wow, that could be an offensive performance of the, or uh, offensive performance of the year. Very possibly, he didn't have so good of a passing game, but the uh, three rushing touchdowns and one passing touchdown is a great game for a quarterback. For any player, imagine if I had three, or if I had a passing touchdown, that'd be pretty great. Uh, just saying, Orange County, put me on. Uh, Put me in the. Uh, put me in the back. Give me in the backfield. Give me the ball. Let me do some Philly special nonsense. It's gonna be great. But yeah, uh, award season is gonna be interesting for me this season. Last season, there was no kind of chance that I was gonna be uh, in the competition at all. Still gonna be touchy, just with how good of a season Hanyadi is having, and. Um, I mean, just the truly easier time that he has as a NSFC running back. I wish that was I wish that was calculated more. Uh, if like strength of schedule, and like I, I don't know. I, I guess with the sixteen game season, it's less of a factor. But still, I mean. Still getting the extra game against NSC, NSFC opponents is um, definitely a boon to his numbers. Um, but it's been pretty tight competition in both conferences. Uh, unfortunately, kind of Chicago and San Jose have both can push themselves more or less out of contention. Um, just uh, Chicago at 3-10, and 10, San Jose at 4-9, and nine, just really looking unlikely that they'll be able to push for a playoff spot. But, I mean, everybody else is in it. They really are. Yellowknife has got a pretty good lead um, that they're pretty locked into getting a playoff spot at all, um, which is pretty expected, but... Um, you know, Philadelphia Liberty has is at 8-5. and five. They... Looking pretty good to make the playoffs, but after that, I think very easily that that Colorado at seven and six could drop off to lose their spot to either Sarasota or Baltimore, who are both um, staying very competitive in that uh, tight race. And then it's the same story in the ASFC, where um, Orange County and NOLA look pretty good to be able to make the playoffs, but they're not far off of being in danger, and uh, Arizona currently holds the third seed, 
but they are only one game ahead of Austin and Honolulu. Honolulu, excuse me. So uh, very easily could be a big shuffle at the three seeds in both conferences. Going to be very, very interesting to track over the next week. Uh, the next IRL week as we see we see games play out and hopefully God I hope it's a good week for us I'm gonna be really depressed if it's the same kind of nonsense that we've been uh, facing Wow we have three in conference opponents going back to back to back that's gonna be luckily we have Austin at home so that should definitely be in our favor. Even though we're going away to San Jose, that game still should technically be in our favor. We'll see. I mean, I haven't really, I've, I've never really done any testing for OCO, so I don't really know the numbers that well. But those are going to be two tough games that we really need to win. And then going away to New Orleans could very well decide who gets the one seed, who gets the two seed, which could have big implications for the playoffs. So very, very exciting week of NSFL play. We're very exciting week of DSFL play. Really hoping both don't turn out terribly depressing. But I have a feeling that at least one of them will. I don't know. That's just my luck this season. That's just where we're at. This has been good. This has been good therapy time for me to just process my feelings about the league, the league season this far. Um, I don't have time to really go through these questions from the Portland python podcast so all the people that are constantly uh bugging me in portland locker room about this thing being done a i'm giving you this content so i guess be happy i don't know uh and b you know it's not i'm not gonna say it's not my fault but if i could if i could record the portland python uh, GM podcast right now I would but um, this is where we're at I did see one question in the Portland GM Python uh, the Portland Python GM podcast we just we didn't come up with a good name for that at all did we um, that I did want to address and that's Tan's like first question uh, Tan asked did y'all consider drafting me or are you looking to give a new user a shot would have been happy to come back to Portland as a player However, I understand like that decision likely would have made the same in one year position. Just looking for what the thought process was behind the scenes. Uh, Tan, I love you. You're great. You're a great teammate in Orange County. Um, and I would have loved to bring you on uh, to Portland. Um, it just... It was a matter of us really having to make some tough decisions as far as who we were going to bring on for offensive players. We knew we really needed a quarterback, and that was a big priority. But after that, we didn't really need anybody. Um, I'm really happy to have been able to bring on Jiggly and Young TB and trying to get them involved as much as possible um, as the third wide receiver and the third running back. But um, those were tight decisions. Um and uh, yeah, definitely. If you were available in the in the fourth round, it would have been absolutely um, a player that would have been on the table for us to draft. Um, just kind of how the draft went for us and our priorities, looking for players that could both be a contribution to on the field success as well as off the field success. Just like 
picking up a, a running back for us in what would have had to been a, a pickup in the early third round just wasn't um, wasn't in the cards for us. So um, I hope Norfolk is really happy with making that leap and you know taking the jump to grab that player early. I'm somebody that's pretty stubborn. Um, if I had my way just on my own uh, making decisions in draft times, I'm pretty stubborn on positions of surplus, um, which I think you could see in how I made my NSFL mock draft this last season compared to the actual results of the NSFL mock draft uh, or, and compared to my reactions to a lot of the picks that actual NSFL GMs made. Oh, man, that was... Uh, I still think the the... I think, in retrospect, the decision by San Jose to grab Tylus in the first round makes sense in retrospect, given their draft position and the decisions that other NSFL GMs made. But, like, I don't understand why any NSFL GM last season was trying to pick up a, a wide receiver early. There were so many really great users in the wide receiver class and so few positions of need at wide receiver. So it was just like a, it was a big head scratcher for me for a lot of teams to be trying to grab wide receivers so early when there were so many great defensive players that could have made much bigger impacts to the team's on-the-field success. But um, I guess when the users are that great, it just trumps the, the, the position of need. But, like, for me, I'm very stubborn on, on positions of surplus. Um, and maybe that's going to make me a shit GM. We'll see. We will see. We will see. Or will we? I don't know. The DSL at this point feels really, really random. So I'm just trying to make... I, I At this point, I'm just trying to make the... Kind of... The experience of the DSL outside of the sim as enjoyable as possible. So, Because the uh, the experience inside the sim is... is um, concerning in the best of times. Anyways, um, I don't have very much time to end this recording and go ahead and post it up on the site. So I am going to end this end this this long disaster of a podcast. Uh, again, hopefully I've been easy enough to track. Um, and hopefully people give this a try. Um, I know some people really like to have those questions to be able to invest into a podcast to, you know, have their own questions answered. But... Um, I wanted to take the chance to just kind of express how my journey of the season has been going, um, to give myself a little bit of therapy time to just just talk through things with myself and my my monitor in front of me and this little microphone up here that I can just yell at and um, also just have something or someone to talk to during these times. Because, oh boy. Um, I feel like a lot of us have just forgotten that we're still in a global pandemic. So please wear a mask. Please be careful. Um, please help us get through this. Because I have, a lot of, I have a lot of things I'd like to do if we can just get, get through this global pandemic. Because we're not on the other side of it yet. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with any of this. I'm not sure how I've filled an hour with any of what I've said, and I'm not sure how any of you have gotten through at this point. But, um, 
Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying safe. Uh, thank you for making the NSFL a great place to be and to spend time in. And, uh, yeah. Stay safe. Stay sane. And stay questionable. <laughs>